From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Friday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. And good morning. Welcome. It is Friday morning. And this is GRN Live Friday edition. We are glad you're with us. It is August 7th, Friday of the 18th week in Ordinary Time. And we have had some... Great feast days uh, this week. The Transfiguration yesterday, and tomorrow is the feast day of St. Dominic, uh, founders of the Dominicans. And so glad you're with us. We have a lot to talk about. It's been a busy week, and we got some some good feel-good stuff to talk about today. There's a lot of <laughs> a lot of negative stuff, a lot of stuff bringing us down. But got some interesting stories to tell you about today. And also, one uh, our opening uh, interview will be about more of a tragedy, but I won't tell you about that in a second. My name is Dave Palmer, host of the Friday program. I'm joined by Cecil Anderson, who is, uh, let's see, you're back. You were, uh, you were not back. here last time. <laughs> I get all my shows mixed up. Okay, this okay. is your, your time back from uh, being on uh, vacay, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, awesome. good to have you. Thank you. It's good to be back. How yeah. was it? It was great. It was beautiful. Arizona's always a beautiful state to visit. Got to see the Grand Canyon again. Uh, nice, nice and chilly there, right? Uh, okay. Definitely chilly. <laughs> Definitely not 117 <laughs> degrees. Flagstaff oh, wow. is a little, ch- no, little cooler. Yeah, the Grand Canyon itself was nice. That's up high, right? Flagstaff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And that voice is Dr. Chris Malloy. How are good, you doing? Good doing to see well. you. Good morning. From the University of Dallas. Author, speaker, radio host. And kind of, kind of does magician. It all. No, just joking. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And Diane Xavier is here. And we're back on social media. We had to take a couple of weeks off because of our, our, our Summer Speaker Series event and all the equipment was in the other room. But uh, if you want to check out how things look behind the scenes here at GRN Alive, uh, just go to Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and the handle is at GRN. And we have an after show afterwards. Um, and Diane sometimes chimes in on that so you can get a little bit more of what's going on in Diane's mind during the after <laughs> show. And uh, let's see, later on in the program, this is pretty exciting. Like I said, there, there's, there's a lot of stuff these days. I've had so many conversations. People are like, 2020 is just nuts. I mean, there's just so much to worry about. But we've got two uh, miracle stories that we're going to be covering on this uh, program. And uh, one of them is about the father of Mikey Shackle. And Mikey Shackle is a little five-year-old Down syndrome boy uh, who was healed of a, a really, uh, doctors gave him no chance to live. Zero, there's no chance that he was going to live. His father, Daniel, is going to join us in the show. And uh, Mikey's healing paved the way for the October 31st beatification of Father Michael McGivney. And my, Mikey, I'm a little spoiler alert, or my, Mikey was actually named after fi- Father Michael McGivney. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Indeed. Yeah, so he's going to join us, and this is, this is cool. I mean, this is like not somebody just saying, you yeah, know, I think I got healed. This is something that the Vatican has investigated. and uh, It's awesome. Pretty and awesome. The doctor was pretty blown away, too. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think that helps doctors realize that God is real if they don't already believe. Also, Carrie Beckman, uh, founder of uh, Regina Chaley Academy, uh, she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer a couple of years ago. And, you know, sometimes cancer seems so serious that you just, in your back of your mind, you think, oh, this, is, this isn't going to be good. I, I think, you know, we're probably going to lose her. And I think a lot of people are thinking that. She got healed. 
Uh, and she attributes it to a saint. And she, this is very early. This is not like Mikey Shackley where the, the Vatican is already investigated. But yeah. uh, she's going to join us as well on the show. That's awesome. And talk about her healing. And she attributes it to a particular beloved saint. But we're going to leave that one kind of hanging. <laughs> so God's not her. on vacation during COVID. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, that, that is for sure. And a uh, big story this week. Uh, like I said, a lot of good, good stuff going on. But also that tragic explosion in Beirut. Yeah. Absolutely devastating. Yeah. A friend of mine, his wife uh, is from Lebanon, and so he sent me a video feed and uh, two video feeds, actually. Just heartbreak, absolutely heartbreaking. You see the priest uh, celebrating Mass when everything collapsed on him? No, I did not. Yeah. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. one of the videos that uh, came through. But uh, there's a parish here in North Texas uh, called Our Lady of Lebanon. Uh, so, so it's kind of one of your parishes? Yeah, it's kind of right down the street from my home parish. So I've uh, our homeschool group met there a lot, so I kind of grew up going to it several times. Yeah, it's one of those parishes that the pastor is extremely supportive of Catholic Radio. They they tie they 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 give us uh uh, you know, monetary donations. Uh, they have this uh, you, you, Lebanese food festival. Have you been I, to that? I, I, I have. I, you bet. Okay. I love Lebanese food. It's, it's the best awesome. Thing ever, well, the, and Father Packwood goes there. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Uh, during the festival, right? He goes every Holy Week. Every Holy Week. And yeah. Sometimes yeah. Christmas too. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Christmas. I mean, he, all, Father Pacwa. He has yes. both rituals. <laughs> he 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 says the mass for both the uh, yeah, Roman rite and uh, and the and the uh, uh, Maronite rite. Yeah, their pastor, Father Assad El-Basha, is going to join us here in about 10 minutes uh, to talk about what's going on. He has an interesting story of uh, some of his own family members whose lives were saved. I'll let him tell the story, but also, you know, they need help. I mean, that's, uh, you know, 300,000 people lost their homes, 5,000 injured, mm-hmm. about 137 killed. I mean, it's a big deal. And just the, the devastation of the, the infrastructure there, just yeah, the, all the homes. So he's going to tell us where how we can help out. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't know. They they know it was ammonium nitrate three three thousand tons yeah. in a storehouse. Two million. Pounds. That that seems like a bad idea right off the bat to yeah. have that mm-hmm. much. That's like what happened. I mean, four people, million pounds. People who aren't from North Texas. I mean, this was national news uh, a number of years ago. Oh, the West that, Texas explosion. Yeah, yes. well, the city of yeah. West, yeah. comma Texas. That's right. yes. Uh, yes. A big explosion from uh, like fertilizer. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. also what Timothy McVeigh used when he is it? Okay. terrorized and blew up the Oklahoma City um, Federal House. So I guess this is just a very, very uh, volatile chemical or, or what have it's you. Fi- it, it, it can be in the right circumstances, yeah. Yeah. All right, and dear listener, we want to hear from you. If you have any, uh, maybe you have a miracle story yourself as we talk about miracles later on, or maybe you're Lebanese. You want to, uh, the Lebanese people are just awesome. I always, whenever I go to the festival, very family oriented, uh, just a yeah. beautiful people. And that it, Maronite rite is hauntingly beautiful. Yeah. So they actually say the consecration in the, in the words, in Aramaic, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. As Jesus would yeah. have said. 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. So, you know, I want to uh, just just quickly give give a couple of kudos out. Uh, you know, uh, I, I talk to so many people that say, in light of the cancellation of masses, and you know, most I think most parishes are having masses in some way now, but some of them are still closed. And a lot of people say, you know, I want our bishops to stand up for us. I, I want our bishops to at least fight for us. And if the civil authorities say. You, you know, you can't have masses or you can't gather. At least put up a fight. And did you see the story about the bishops in Kentucky? It's pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, Bishop, Archbishop Joseph Kurtz defying Democratic Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir's suggestion that he suspend in-person Sunday worship for two weeks. Kurtz is uh, the Archbishop of Louisville. 
Also served as the president of the USCCB from 2013 to 2016. In a letter to his priests about a week ago, Archbishop Kurtz said parishes in the Archdiocese of Louisville will continue to hold masses at reduced capacity and ask pastors to double down on their efforts to keep everything safe. So he's like, okay, thank you, but no thanks. We're going to keep having masses. <laughs> and they're doing a good job. They're keeping the social distance. Mm. They've got the limited capacity. I mean, they're really... The churches are doing a good job with that. Yeah. They really yeah. are. They're, I don't think a huge spread is coming from masses. Right, it's right. It's not. Yeah. And, and um, Archbishop Gomez also, so the governor of California, said uh, we're not going to allow singing in the churches. And and Gomez lashed out and said this is reminiscent of the USSR. Oh, really? Oh, wow. okay. That's right. I didn't see that story. Yeah, I, so yeah. I saw it in the, uh, on a, oh, I'm not going to name the website, uh, but you can look it up. It, I mean, a, a reliable Just website. I don't want to <laughs> recommend it. Yeah, no, mine, mine is obviously unreliable. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, all right, one other story, and this is, again, uh, you know, we want people to be bold. We want people to, to push back against the prevailing culture. There's, there's a priest by the name of Father Rich Pagano. Never heard of them, but you heard about, uh, they, they call her AOC, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a Democratic representative in the U.S. House of Representatives. And she complained recently about the statue of Father, I mean, Saint Damien of Malachi being represented in Washington, D.C. as kind of a representation of Hawaii. And if anybody knows Father Damien of Malachi, he... He was a white supremacist. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all you need to know, right? That's, that's all you, you need to know. You are visiting the wrong websites, <laughs> Dr. Malloy. So she said that uh, the state of Hawaii statue in Washington, D.C., uh, Father Damien, why, why him? Why, why is that to be a male? Why not Queen Lily Olukalani of Hawaii, the only queen regent of Hawaii, implying that it was... An example of co- co- colonizers being honored instead of historical figures who are native to the state. And she said, when you look at the person of St. Damien and he's being upheld as, um, uh, oh, okay, I'm sorry. This, this is what Father Rich Pagano said. Um, uh, when you look at the person of St. Damien and he's being upheld as an oppressor, if you're saying that he's an oppressor, then you're saying that Jesus Christ is an oppressor because his actions truly reflect the person of Jesus Christ, exactly what we heard in the Gospel of Matthew. I mean, precisely. Touching did, lepers. Ha, ha, touching lepers, yeah. You ever seen pictures of uh, Father Damien and uh, St. Yes. Damien? And, yes, with him sitting down with all the natives uh, in the leper colony. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know about confessions? Talk about like the risk it took, because a confessor couldn't come to him. He He would scream his sins out to a confessor on a boat. Really? Yeah. To go to confession. Wow. He could hear others, but he couldn't, you know, hear his, his own confession. Yeah, <laughs> so. right. So in order to be absolved of his own sins, because the other priest didn't want to come on the colony, so he had to scream them out. Huh? He was with the indigenous people. Talk about someone who loves. And so for AOC to say that he is, by the way, that queen, she, she was the last monarch of the island. She yeah. recognized Damien. Yeah. Yeah, so she probably would have been honored to have the she, statue of Saint Damien of Malachi. She was blown away because she she saw the lepers and and yeah. that made her disgusted. Uh, and and there's this priest taking care of them. It she just, was blown just shows away. total ignorance, you know, of the the History. contribution of what people said. So Father Rich Magano goes on and he says, in light of this cancel culture and you know AOC trying to get rid of the statue of Saint Damien, he says we are living in a time of complete disorientation and disorder and chaos, where good is being flipped on its head and called evil, and we need to start having serious conversations about what is being said in the public sector. 
I'm definitely not a politician. I'm in love with Jesus Christ, and I want to serve him to whatever extent I possibly can. Amen. Uh, our politicians need to uh, be on notice. I mean, gosh. So, Damien, of all the people that gets yeah. canceled? I mean, him? You know, you divorce morality from truth, and, and that's what AOC is on record saying, well, you know what? What's morally right is more important than what's factually true. Mm-hmm. And the point is, what does morally right mean for her? What she wants. Yeah. That's what it means. So it becomes subjectivism, yeah. will to power. He said, uh, last quote, and then we're going to go to Father Assad. Uh, now seeing the defacing of the movement of Jesus Christ in our country, how our country was founded on Judeo-Christian values and morals, is truly being defaced and being torn down right before our eyes. It's time to do something. You know? God bless them. Time to stand up. Yeah, Father, I, she got a lot of pushback on that. I think by she and uh, anyways, uh, pray for her and uh, pray for the intercession of this great saint. Always and uh, pray that that statue never comes down because boy, he's he's awesome. All right, it's ten after. Phone number eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. And uh, as as I mentioned, we are joined on the phone, Father Assad El Basha. Pastor of Our Lady of Lebanon Parish in Louisville, Texas, uh, joining us to talk about the horrific explosion that happened in Beirut on Tuesday of this week. Already has killed at least 135 people, another 5,000 injured, hundreds and thousands of people are impacted. Father Assad, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing okay. Thank you, David. Thank you. Our prayers, uh, Dr. Chris Malloy is here in the studio with me Good as morning, well. Father. As long as uh, Thank you. As Cecil Anderson, Good who I morning. know you know her family as well. Uh, Father, what, what's the latest? And what are, tell, give us the details, because uh, I know you, you have relatives back there. You, you run a, a Maronite Catholic church, Le- Our Lady Lebanon. Uh, what, what's the latest that you can tell us about what happened on Tuesday? Uh, we have been praying on Sunday at 11 o'clock. We are going to offer the Mass for uh, the 140 people who get killed right now and we still have a lot of people are missing more than 5000 people are get injured four major uh, five major catholic hospital in city beirut stop working they ask their better, uh, the, their family to come and get their sick people lot of good friend nation as usa and we are so thankful to our president who promised to help us the president of a French people yesterday went and visited us, and he sent two medical airplanes, Qatar, Jordan, and a lot of a friend, and United Kingdom also are sending a lot of medical help. We are living in a critical condition right now. A lot of the people are sleeping on the street because their houses are shaken, are not safe to live in it. They lost everything, and uh, people are still missing. They don't hear nothing about it, and they are trying to seek to find them according to the signal of their uh, phone right now, and this is the latest one. Our cardinal in Lebanon is appealing to all the Catholics of the whole world, and uh, we receive this through our Maronite diocese because we have one, we have two dioceses here in USA, and uh, we appeal to all the Catholic to see if they can help and contribute, and we put on the website of the church a kind of uh, fund that we are planning to do. We collected here at Our Lady of Lebanon at the address 719 University. You put in the memo 
fund to Catholic in Lebanon. We send it to the diocese, and the diocese send it to the to the Cardinal of Lebanon, and he will pass it to the Caritas, the Catholic Charity of Lebanon. Mm. As I said, a lot of people lost everything. They don't have their houses anymore. And a lot of the people are still missing. We are praying for the people that we can find them and for the people who passed away, that they will be resting in peace. It yes. is a bad, bad thing. Two major cathedrals, one for the Catholic, Maronite Catholic, and one for the Greek Orthodox. They are in bad, bad, bad situation. I just saw the the, the picture right now. And yesterday on the Lebanese news, they have a nurse in this Catholic hospital where everybody on the floor, everybody is bleeding. One nurse, she tried to grab the babies who just born one day, she went over there to grab three babies in her hand to protect them. And she was screaming to other nurses to help her to protect the other babies. And they succeed. How God is wonderful. Where we are losing babies, we have people are saving babies in Lebanon. Mm. We are so thankful. We are so thankful to our president. We are so thankful to the generosity of this great nation to the people they always ready to help to the needy when they are in need to any nation they they are in need we are so thankful to you catholic radio station very proud of you in this parish here and we always like to support you and i always listen to you every day i turn my car <laughs> every day i am in my office uh, having a quiet time, I always listen to the Catholic radio station. Yeah, that is awesome. Uh, F- Father, um, you, you have relatives there in yes. uh, Lebanon. I, I know there's a story about some of yours uh, who yes. actually uh, were spared from harm. Uh, tell us, Can you yes. tell us, that our listeners, that, that story? We did have a wedding for my niece. I was planning to go. A big wedding, 500 people. But, you know, coronavirus did not allow us, and they moved the wedding from last Saturday to put it on last Tuesday, the day of the the explosion. At the same time, this bride, my niece, her father, my brother, work in the American hospital in the city of Beirut. Her mom, she is a head nurse, and her brother, the whole family work in this American hospital, and they use the major highway where we have the the explosion, it is near. They moved the wedding till Tuesday up in the North Lebanon in a quiet way, mm. in a nice family wedding. My brother lost his house. My sister lost his house. My I have two cousins lost their house, but we are so thankful. They've been up in the mountain in the wedding. Nobody get hurt, and they are safe. That's... A lot of people, it, it is a miracle. Thanks be yeah. to God. It is a miracle, really. When, we, when I heard that, I texted my other brother. He said, we are in the church, and we did not know about that. I said, please don't tell nobody. When they get out for the reception, they all start to pray and cry. Mm. It is a miracle. We yeah. are so thankful to God. We are so thankful to God, but we are praying. A lot of people are hurting lot of mothers, they still looking for the younger people who work at this area over there. 
Yeah, so when we hear 140 deaths, that's just yes. the beginning. I mean, because yes. the devastation, it's, it's total. It's total yes. in that epicenter. Yes. Uh, I mean, it was a supersonic wave of uh, blast wave. That, yes. that, that hit. Yeah. Father, if you could um, maybe email uh, the, uh, Cecil Anderson the contact information for people to donate, because okay. we've got okay. stations all over the country um, okay. that um, you know, people might want to uh, donate. I will. Okay. I will. Uh, Thank uh, you. The, your website, OurLadyLebanon.com, people can find yes. out information there, right? Thank you. Yeah, Thank you, okay. and we are very proud of the Catholic radio station. I always listen to it and I always encourage my people and we are so proud and we are always love to support you guys. God yeah. bless you and have a blessed day. Thank, thank, thank you. you for allowing us to be on your show. Thank you, thank Father. You, Father. Yeah. Friends, great, God great, bless. great to hear from you. Father Assad El-Basha, please uh, visit you. their website, uh, Our Lady Lebanon. It's not Our Lady of Lebanon. It's OurLadyLebanon.com. And I will tell you, you know, he's, he talks about supporting the station, listening to the station, and they really do. They, uh, you know, we have the car raffle season yeah. in January and February, and yeah. sometimes pastors will let us come out to their parishes ah. and get up and speak. Well, they, 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 what they did was they said, "Oh, don't don't worry about sending anybody out. We'll go ahead and do it ourselves." And nice. they said, "Just give us like you know two hundred tickets." And uh, you know, two weeks later, there the lady from the parish came and said, "We sold them all. Here's here's the nice. here's the stubs. Here's the." I mean, it's like we didn't have to do anything. And he 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 gave the talk. He said, "Please buy tickets." You know, <laughs> that's you know, very. You know, Remember that? Oh yes, it's wonderful. Yeah, so now he's it, driving around with that car. <laughs> <laughs> he has worn our bumper sticker. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. One time, it. yeah, one time I went out to their festival and he had the, 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 our, our bumper sticker oh, on, his, on his. He's a great guy. He's shy. I'm surprised he came he, up with this. He, he normally is, doesn't uh, like to talk. He huh? says mass so reverently. Mm. It's, yeah, it's really great guy. Great guy. Heart up. So, anyways, uh, please visit their website. It is a, a horrific situation over there in 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 Beirut, and it was good to talk to him their their website for that local parish here uh, ourladylebanon.com and there's a link to donate to donate oh, is directly okay. on the website yeah all right good mm-hmm. good and so let, let's change gears a little bit now and uh, I, I don't think we can take our break we're going to make the executive decision let's just go straight on uh, with Carrie Beckman because i this is a fascinating story and we've got two stories of uh, you know, kind of miracles. I think a lot of people think, eh, why pray to the saints? Why, you know, does God really hear my prayers? And 2,000 years ago he did, but yeah. That's when the miracles. The wheel. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Carrie Beckman's been a guest on uh, this program before, founder, executive director of Regina Chaley Academy. And uh, she'll tell the story, but I got an email. My wife forwarded me an email this week, and it was uh, there, there was a line in it that said, It is with abundant thanksgiving and great pleasure that I announce that our Lord, through the powerful intercessory prayers of my RCA family and friends of Venerable Patrick pa- Father Patrick Payton, saw fit to completely heal my body of cancer. And praise God for that. Carrie joins us now. Amen. Uh, I think the first uh, radio interview she's done said this since this uh, beautiful news. Carrie, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Dave. And yes, it is the first, and I think fitting, given the fact that you and I go back many, many years of, of interviews. I was just thinking about this this morning, that I think you interviewed me way back in 2012 or 13. Oh, wow. So you've kind of really journeyed with me through this whole thing. 
Yeah, yeah, and I thought about uh, when I said, how you doing? I mean, a lot of people say, oh, I'm fine, and they don't really mean it, but uh, you must just be flying high right now, and your family and everybody that uh, just praise God. So can you tell us the story? Go back to the initial diagnosis. I know it was ovarian cancer. It got really serious, and so uh, t- give us the timeline of, of uh, the, you finding out about the illness and what has happened since. Sure. So this goes back actually about 18 months ago. Um I started having these episodes where I would pass out. My blood pressure would drop significantly. They put me in the hospital several times. They couldn't really figure out what was wrong with me. I had a very dear friend of mine who's an incredible pediatrician in the Atlanta area, Dr. Margaret Boudreau, who was following my blood work, and my blood work was looking kind of funny, and she said to me, what you really need is a PET scan. And it wasn't until finally I saw doctors both at the Mayo Clinic and one locally in Atlanta who finally said, oh, I think you need a an endoscopy. So they did an endoscopy, and um, the doctors really thought that everything was going to be fine, but unfortunately, my, path, my pathology came back, and I had a rare kind of cancer called malt lymphoma. Now, the good news about malt lymphoma is it's pretty treatable. The bad news was that I was not responding to treatment. So I did get a PET scan, just like Margaret had suggested months earlier. The PET scan revealed um, that the malt was there, yes, but when we went in to get the results from the hematologist oncologist, he said these words to us, and I will never forget them as long as I live. He said, you go in for a bird, and sometimes you find a heron. Mm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, my husband was with me, and we looked at each other, and, and my husband said, that doesn't sound like what we were expecting to hear today. Yeah. And he said, we're actually going to discontinue the treatment for the malt lymphoma. Um, I need you to um, take a copy. I'm giving you a copy of this PET scan. You need to call your OBGYN right away. We have, unfortunately, found a tumor that goes from your ovary, attaches to your ureter, and it's 8.9 on the reactive scale. Now, of course, at this point, I didn't know what that meant. Since this all happened, I learned that anything 3.0 or higher is considered a malignancy. Mm. So it was very reactive, um, very serious right away. Fortunately, as again, you know, God provides kind of this all-star cast in my life. I'm so blessed to have these amazing prayer warriors from Lisa Wheeler, and I'll tell you a little bit about how Father Peyton got involved in just a second, and um, Cameron Frad, Matt and Cameron Frad, who um, started this rosary novena immediately, and my OBGYN, Dr. Kangawasa, who also is um, an incredible faithful Catholic and, uh, you know, a one more soul doctor. And so I texted him these results, and he immediately responded back, and he said, and, and his um, his kids are in our program, too, Dave, just uh, kind of as a point of reference. Yeah. He texted me back. He said, um, whose results are these? And I said, mine. And he said, I'm calling you. So he called me, and he said, this is very serious, Carrie. I don't know how much the doctor, you know, explained that to you, but I want you to see the very best surgeon, who's a friend of mine here. And so he got me into her, and immediately, you know, they started to schedule me for surgery, and they sent me for an MRI to confirm the results of the PET scan, 
And unfortunately, the MRI came back and those results were confirmed that it was not an assist. Rather, it was a solid mass on my ovary and extended to my ureter. That required, it was a very serious surgery. It required also a urologist to scrub in. Um, they told us um, that I could lose my kidney and my ureter. In fact, it was probably likely that that would happen. Um, they weren't really sure um, what stage this would be at, but it would probably be um, a very serious stage. In fact, they had pathology on standby during the surgery to type it, and uh, so we would know what type of cancer it was and what stage it was while I'm sleeping because they, that it might require them to do more exploratory surgery so they would keep me sleeping. So this was very, you know, sudden and um, pretty shocking. And so we did not make it public because everything was moving so fast that we figured, well, let's go ahead and just wait until we have all of the information. However, I did tell my, you know, my closer friends, one of which is Lisa Wheeler, Carmel Communications, and Lisa said to me, you know, we really need to ask for the intercession of Venerable Patrick Payton. You know, he's up for canonization, and I'm working on his movie Prey, and I just feel like he's, he's going to be our guy in this. And so we started um, praying and asking everybody to pray for his intercession for complete healing, and um, went with a priest friend of Lisa's and to the chapel and prayed over me and really, you know, just asked for Father Peyton to journey with us. So the first step along the way was that surgery. And um, my personal friend, my OBGYN, Dr. Kangawasa, asked if he could scrub in um, to the surgery, of which, of course, I said yes. In fact, I joked with him and said, of course you can. Then I know I have a Catholic in there and you can throw my scapular on me. And <laughs> 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 um, so he scrubbed in and um, the urologist was in there and, and the uh, OBGYN and gynecologist was in there. And she she's a little woman about four feet tall. So she has a step stool when she does these surgeries that she actually wow. climbs up <laughs> on. And... Um, and so she's up there, and she puts all the scopes in me. There were several um, because they needed different angles and, and things like that. And the main scope into my abdomen, she's looking and she's looking. And I was told that she's very chatty normally in surgery because, you know, she does these all the time. And she's actually the one who does the instruction for ACOG and all of the robotic surgery. So she's, she's the expert in the field. Um, but she was extremely silent. And so... My doctor said I started to get nervous because she was silent. And so I didn't know why. Um, and so then she stepped down and she looked at the urologist and she said, I need to get a second pair of eyes on this. And so he gets up and he looks in there and he looks at her and he says, uh, I don't see anything. <laughs> and she said, I can't either. So he proceeded to do some exploratory surgery. They ended up removing my ovary because it was obviously diseased, but there was no tumor. It was gone, completely gone. So pathology calls into the surgery suite and says, you know, we're ready for, for her pathology. And they have to tell them to stand down that there's no, there's no specimen to give them. Mm. 
That is just wow. absolutely so, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was quite a moment um, for everybody in surgery and for me once I found out. Um, I remember feeling very much um, kind of like when you swallow something, um, it's hard to get down. That's That's kind of how I felt. I don't think I've ever had that feeling in my whole life before where, you know, you just, you realize the power of prayer, the power of the intercession of the saints. I remember before I was going into that surgery, I um, I thought too, and I think we sometimes forget this, you know, all of the people in purgatory, they can't do anything but pray for us. So they're kind of sitting up there hoping to do something good, yeah. right? And I remember praying to any friend or family member or even the souls that could connect, you know, to my situation in purgatory and asking for their prayers. Um, so I think it is powerful. I think we tend to forget that we are connected to something greater than this earth, um, much greater than this earth. That's much more powerful than this earth, much more powerful than even the best ACOG doctor. And I, I'm blessed beyond measure that the Lord has saw fit to heal me, and I only hope that I can serve him greater and with much glory to him um, in the story. So the story continues because I had this other little cancer problem, right, the malt lymphoma. So they turned then to their focus to that, and unfortunately, um, my next biopsy with that came back that I still had the cancer, which is why I couldn't say... <laughs> That I was cancer-free until recently. So we did um, we did more treatment. Um, my body did not respond to the treatment. Biopsy came back again positive. However, during that procedure, I aspirated, and also they contaminated my culture. So it was a really it was a really not good procedure. And it was right um, as Georgia came out of sheltering in place. I was one of the first people since you know, I was being treated for cancer, I got high on the list, a priority to go. And um, so to say the least, I was very disappointed um, that, that the treatment hadn't worked and I wasn't cured. So they had to reschedule a, a new procedure. And they said, and this one's not going to cost you anything since we, you know, pretty much uh, almost killed you with your aspiration <laughs> and we contaminated your culture. So they, um, so I didn't have, this is very important to note. I did not have any treatment from that biopsy in April to the results that I just got back four days ago. And um, the doctor normally calls me at the end of the day, around 5.30 when my biopsies come back. He called me at 11.20, and he said, Mrs. Beckman, um, this, is, this is Dr. Eisenband, and he said, I don't really under, understand this, but I'm so happy and I'm so elated to tell you that your biopsy came back clean. Mm. That's amazing. And he said, yeah, you haven't had treatment. So, you know, I've, I've verified these results and, and they are verified and they are yours. Um, I'm just, I'm elated. Yeah. And um, he said, I, you're cancer free. Wow. 
Carrie, that's that's amazing. Praise God. I know there's so many people rejoicing. I I think that email that I got has probably been sent to thousands of people and all the people in the Regina Chaley Academy family across the country. And that's a whole other story itself. We've done interviews about that or are rejoicing with you. I want to talk a little bit about Father Peyton himself. Uh, And I know it's a long process. In fact, we're going to talk to a a gentleman here in a few minutes who's actually been through the whole process. And his son's healing uh, has paved the way for Father McGivney to uh, be beatified. But is this the, the kind of miracle are you going to pursue and kind of maybe let, I, I don't even know what the first step is. Is this something that you're going to see that could go towards the cause of Father Peyton? Yeah, so my intention is to have the doctors write up a dossier. Um, Dr. K has already written up what he witnessed himself in the surgical suite, and then to submit it to Father I think it's Willie who is um, who's kind of the uh, caretaker of Father Peyton's cause. I, I will say this: I mean, one of the things that that was so significant to just Father Peyton himself and getting to know him in this process has been such a blessing. So I'm hoping that your listeners will turn their their eyes and their ears to him. Because I do think that he's very powerful for right now for what we're living in. He was very famous for the saying, the family that prays together stays together. And and I don't just think that that means the domestic family. I think that means our church family, Dave. Mm-hmm. I mean, we really need each other right mm-hmm. now. What we're facing and, you know, of course, what happened in Lebanon is horrible and, and egregious. But we're having it right here on our own home where our churches are burning, our statues are being toppled. Persecution is right here for us as Catholics. And I think that Father Peyton can be very, very instrumental in our Catholic family praying together to end this persecution in our country. Yeah, saying and the fact that he promoted the rosary and he had these big rosary crusades. I also like his connection because he had a letter a lot of friends in Hollywood. I think we need to influence Hollywood because yeah. they have such a huge impact on the way people think and uh the 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 way, you know, the Catholic Church is portrayed in films and he was able to kind of, you know, uh, get in and have friends with the community. So, uh yeah, and and there's also What's what's the, the the movie is called Pray is that right the movie about him what tell us about that Yeah so it's called Pray and um, Carmel Communications is doing all of the publicity for it so if you go to their website you can find out a lot more I will say this about the movie it's extremely powerful I've had the blessing to see it um, I would recommend it especially again during these times one of the things that he was known for is during one of his amazing rosary rallies which is what he would do. He would go have these amazing, huge rosary rallies where hundreds of thousands of people would come together to just pray the rosary with him. It was during um, a, a hostile takeover of Marxism and socialism in a country, and his rosary rally turned that around. Mm. So you see, there's a great connection between the fight that's going on right here on our own home front for our own freedom and our own liberty. And I think he's going to be our saint for this time. I really do. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I, I did not know that about him. And with these threats that we have right now with Marxism and socialism and it's uh, gaining steam and it's just uh, a huge threat. And so, uh, Kerry, just got a, about a minute remaining. And so we want to, I, I, you know, continue to ask people to pray for you and pray also in, in praise and thanksgiving to God for what uh, he's doing in your life. And I, I guess you got to be thinking like, gosh, God, you want me to stay? I must have something very important that you want. The mission <laughs> continues. <laughs> yeah, my mission continues. But uh, anyways, just got about 30 seconds. Anything else you wanted to uh, say to our listeners before we let you go? And, and thanks for uh, letting us be the, the, the first ones to broadcast, at least over the radio, this, this great news. It's, it's exciting. Yes, I would just ask that all glory be to God in this and that there are, you know, so many people that are suffering with cancer out there and their families are, are maybe afraid. And to be not afraid and to look to our saints to really journey with you and like you said, <laughs> I definitely am very humbled that my job now is to make sure that I am serving our God the greatest and most important way I can as a human being, flawed as I am. Yeah, praise God. Kerry, thanks so much, and uh, have a great weekend. <laughs> it's been, it's been, a, good, too, it's been a It's been a good week, hasn't it? <laughs> it's been a great week, and we've been celebrating. My family's been celebrating, and I'm just so grateful to them hugely grateful to my family, my children, and my husband for just their support. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And now another school year is starting up. I will say uh, rcahybrid.org is the name of the, the website for Regina Chaley Academy if you want to go visit that. All right, Carrie, thanks. God bless you. We'll God talk bless. to you again soon, okay? God bless you guys. Thank oh, you so much. Okay, right, thank, bye-bye. Thanks so much. Uh, just kind of reminds me, we're about to take a break and talk about another miracle story with Daniel Shackle, but I think there's like... Little... I didn't know Regina Chaley was all over the nation. Yeah, they've got like... Uh... I just thought it was here in Irving. Oh, no, she's in Georgia. <laughs> started, That's awesome. Started in Atlanta. Yeah. And then it's spread all over the place. Uh, and I, I don't think it's in any other countries right now, but I was just thinking, you know, there's little miracles that happen in our life all the time, and I think we miss them. Yeah. And I, I can't tell you how many times, and I know this can kind of border on superstition a little bit, but uh, just that whole St. Anthony prayer, you lose something. Oh, yeah. I can't tell you how many times. I love St. Anthony. Uh, you know, uh, one of my kids is running around the house looking for something. They've been looking for 20 minutes <laughs> yeah. everywhere, and I'll say, or my, or my wife will say, Pray to St. Anthony. Yeah. Mm. And we do. And then 20 seconds later, we find it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, did you notice that? But you know what? <laughs> You've got to give bread to the poor. St. Anthony will respond. You have to be ready to give to the poor. I, I honestly noticed he is more, he's quicker when you are oh, taking really? care of giving. Huh? Absolutely. Okay. I, I'd never heard that angle. Well, I mean, it's just my personal thing. I've, for, for 30 years, I have seen this. Oh, wow. All right, let's take a break. Interesting. Okay, I'll, well, yeah, that, that makes I sense. You know, that. you can't just keep asking and asking without, yeah. you know, doing something. He's a Franciscan. Return. All right, I'm being told that RCA is international now. They have a, a, a UK-Ireland uh, uh, academy. That, that's awesome. Uh, Homeschooling. Uh, a beautiful Irish woman told so me important. that. She texted me, this, this beautiful Irish woman named Paula. Uh, ah. <laughs> that's my wife okay no, no scandal that's awesome. uh, all right so quick break and we're gonna come back amazing story of a, a beautiful five-year-old boy named mikey shackle who is down syndrome he's alive today because of the intercession of another great saint and this one's official the, the vatican has investigated this one it's paved the way for father michael mcgivney to be beatified later this year we're gonna talk to mikey's father daniel right after this Is the Lord calling you to be a missionary? Hi, Joe McLean here, and the Guadalupe Radio Network is calling for rosary missionaries to join with the GRN in praying for very special intentions. Would you be one of them? 
Log on to grnonline.com forward slash missionaries. Together, we can bring the power of prayer to bear on a dark world in need of the light of Christ. Log on to grnonline.com forward slash missionaries. Solidarity HealthShare is rebuilding Catholic health care in America. We conform to the moral guidelines of the Catholic Church so that you never have to worry about your health care dollars paying for anything that violates your conscience. From conception to natural death, we strive to serve all health care needs, protect human life, celebrate families, and promote the dignity of all people. Join Solidarity HealthShare in restoring and rebuilding authentic Catholic health care by signing up at SolidarityHealthShare.org, a sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Did you know that Mother Angelica wasn't the first to use radio to evangelize? There was a saint who decided to use radio for evangelization over a half century earlier when radio was still a novelty. He is a Catholic radio pioneer that we look up to. I'm Lan Oswald, president of the Guadalupe Radio Network. On December 8th, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, in 1938, St. Maximilian Kolbe addressed the brothers at his monastery in Poland about the importance of radio. That day, they made their first radio broadcast. St. Maximilian believed that every technology should first serve God and that we shouldn't fall behind others who use new technologies for harmful purposes. Colby recognized that radio could reach souls that writing or television couldn't. And that is why we founded the Guadalupe Radio Network, to reach and save souls. This has been your GRN Family Minute. Thank you for being part of the GRN family. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. All right, we're back, and this has been a uh, show we we just heard about an, an amazing, you know, p- possible miracle. I guess maybe the Vatican will check that one out. Uh, d- joining us now on the phone, Daniel Shackle, uh, who is the father of Mikey Shackle, a uh, young boy whose miraculous healing has paved the way for the beatification of Father Michael McGivney on October 31st of this year. Father McGivney, of course, the founder of the Knights of Columbus. And uh, interestingly, Daniel, longtime knight, former Grand Knight of his council in Tennessee, and also a general insurance agent for the Knights now. So very tied into the Knights of Columbus. Daniel, good morning. Thank you for joining us on GRN Alive. Good morning, Dave. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Dr. Chris Malloy here as well. Good if you uh, hear another voice as well. Daniel, before we start talking about Mikey and the amazing story of uh, his healing, we, we, and, and, and praise God for that. Uh, you and your family, you and your wife, Mikey's the 13th child in your family, uh, and you have long had a devotion to Father Michael McGivney. This wasn't just something that came up after you prayed for Mikey's healing. Tell, tell us about your, your family and the relationship with uh, perhaps this future saint, Father Michael McGivney. Yeah, thank you, Dave. Yeah, my dad was a past grand knight and district deputy, and he would haul us to everything when we were kids, Tootsie Roll drives, pancake breakfast. So I kind of grew up in the Knights of Columbus and joined when I was 18. Whenever we had our uh, seventh child, I was looking to start a business. And about the same time, I was grand knight, and I read Parish Priest. I read about the passion that Father McGivney had for protecting Catholic widows and orphans. And I thought, this is how I want to spend my life taking care of Catholic widows and orphans, just as Father McGivney intended. So I, I would say that that's probably reading parish priest, although I had been around the nights my whole life, reading parish priest was probably the moment when I began my in-depth devotion to Father McGivney. And we homeschool, so after I went to work for the nights about two years later, we decided to 
name our homeschool Father McGivney Academy. So our family has always had this devotion to him, and I always tell my agents that uh, Father McGivney rides in the car with us when we go places. <laughs> and I, I can't, uh, I can't tell you how many times, you know, riding in that car that Father McGivney and I have had conversations. Obviously, one-sided conversations, audibly, but you know, I feel like he's kind of been a part of my business and my life and my family's life now for over 15 years. Yeah, he was the oldest of 13 kids, died at 38. Some people don't know that. He was yeah. young when he died. And you've got 13 kids, uh, a baker's dozen. That's uh, another little connection right. between your families as well, right? Now, was he, he was the correct. oldest? Father McGinley was the oldest or the youngest? Of 13? He was the oldest okay. of yeah. 13, yeah. His father died while he was in the seminary. He had to leave and go home and work until one of his brothers got old enough to take over just to support his family. So he really felt the pressure on the Catholic families of the day, too, financially. His family lived through it. Do we have a brief story? Can you give us a brief story as to how he got the night started? Yeah, so we've already talked about what happened in his own family. After after leaving the factory and going back to the seminary, thanks to the generosity of a religious order, he was ordained and assigned to St. Mary's Church in New Haven, Connecticut, which is right on the campus of Yale University. And... uh Yale was a Presbyterian university. Also, obviously, the United States of America was largely a Protestant country at the time. There was a lot of bigotry, a lot of suspicion. There were groups like the Know-Nothings that would do things to tear down Catholic culture, and they never they never knew nothing afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of this bigotry going on. The uh, Irish immigrants traipsing through the upscale New Haven neighborhood to go to St. Mary's Church for Sunday Mass were looked down upon. The uh, The New York Times ran a story, apparently, that said that was talking about how a, a Roman edifice had ruined uh, upscale New Haven neighborhoods. So there was a lot of the bigotry. And then he also had family showing up on his doorstep, a mother with six kids, seven kids, eight kids saying, my husband just died of smallpox or tuberculosis or whatever. What do we do? So at, at the time, there were no social safety nets. It, you know, if there wasn't someone to provide for the family like he came home and did for his, then the mother was on the street and the kids went to an orphanage. So he was really working to try to keep Catholic families together. He was doing this personally. He, he would go to the court and vouched that he would be the guardian of these children and make sure they were provided for just to keep those families together. And after several families, he decided that we, you know, I can't do all this myself. We need to form a group of of families that will bind together and take care of each other and fight off the Catholic bigotry of the day. It's a lot like today. I mean, we have lots of families leaving the faith. We are in the middle of a pandemic. We still have financial needs. So he was trying to keep families in the faith and keep them together. That was really his driving mission Amazing. on founding the Knights. Let, let's uh, how, tell me, tell us about Mikey. And uh, by the way, Doctor Malloy and his wife uh, have a Down syndrome uh, child son as well. Our, our littlest, yeah, yeah, Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, Gabriel as well. So they have that it connection. Warms my heart but, to see the videos of Mikey. Yeah. So um, y'all found out you were pregnant. I think uh, late in 2014. Take us from there about the pregnancy. So you started getting some bad news uh, from doctors. Uh, can you tell us his story uh, during pregnancy? 
Absolutely. First of all, congratulations on your gift, Dr. Malloy. Thank you. I know that He's Gabriel's probably just as big a gift to your family as Mikey is He's to ours. Pure joy. Yeah, my wife always says that uh, the 21 chromosome is the love and happiness chromosome. Yeah, and I right. agree with her. So, <laughs> <That's right>. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we, of course, the Knights of Columbus planned a trip and it was announced in January of 2014 of where that trip would be. And it was a, a trip to Lisbon and Madrid and with a pilgrimage to Fatima. And we were excited about that. We'd always dreamed of going to Fatima, of course, with a large family. Sometimes the finances aren't there to do things like that, right? So we were very excited that we may win this trip. And then in October, uh, none of us know the exact date, but in October, we uh, we became pregnant and we found out about it towards the end of November. And we told our children at Christmas time, we usually let them open one present on Christmas Eve. And my wife had a habit of carrying around her purse that would say mom of 12 on it. <laughs> so on, on Christmas Eve, she opened a, opened a present that and the bag said mom of 13. And one of our kids said, oh, that's an unfortunate mistake. But then it kind of sunk into them that, that she was pregnant. So, <laughs> Yeah, we had an ultrasound on December 31st. And at the midwife clinic where my wife was going and they brought us in and said, you know, there's some con concerning things on this ultrasound. You know, there's some thickening in the back of the neck and things that were consistent with, you know, some type of chromosome abnormality. And they suggested that we go have another ultrasound done at Vanderbilt and also to have DNA testing done. So we normally don't do any of those kind of tests because we would never abort our child. But they they said, you know what, Vanderbilt's a great hospital. There may be things like spina bifida or whatever that we could help with. So we suggest that you go do it anyway. So we had the had the DNA test, and that confirmed that he had trisomy 21, and that was on January 2nd. I went to a funny side story. I went to a general agent meeting in Orlando the week after that positive trisomy 21 test heard a speaker that said the, the theme of his talk was lacking the knowledge of God. We have no reason to question why bad things happen. So that kind of prepared me for when I came home and we had the diagnosis of fetal high drops, which was the, the deadly diagnosis that we received from the doctors there at Vanderbilt University. They brought us in and showed us the ultrasound and it was, you know, a picture of a baby that his lungs just look like little crumpled up pieces of paper in a sea of fluid. His whole body just looked like a little balloon, you know, a, a whole layer of fluid under his skin and everything. And the doctor was pointing that out to us. And she said that this is going to be a fatal illness for him. And we asked, you know, when, and she said, well, we don't know when it's going to happen. It could be close to full term. It could be at any time, but there's really no hope here. So we asked, you know, well, what's the percentage? What's the, the percentage of hope? She said, well, I've been, I've been in high-risk medicine for babies for over 30 years, and I've never seen a child or heard of a child survive this diagnosis. Wow. And she said, we have two options. We can either terminate the pregnancy now, or we can wait for him to die on his own, and then we'll have a stillbirth. 
And she even said, I was raised Catholic, and I know what the church says about abortion, but this really isn't an abortion because there's no hope, so don't worry. So that's kind of how we yeah. receive the news. Yeah, wow. Hey, uh, Daniel, we've got a, a few minutes remaining. Uh, this story is going to take more than a, a few minutes, but I want, for the sake of people only listening on radio, to get the 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 the, 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 the final climax of this, which is so exciting. Are you able to hang out with us a few minutes after the top of the hour? We do an after show on our social media platforms. Are you able to give us a few more, a little bit more time, or do you need to go? <laughs> Yeah, God is good. I had an appointment at 9, but I just received an email that they can't make it. So, yes, I'll <laughs> okay. hang with you. Another miracle. No, I'm kidding. Uh, all <laughs> right. So, but, yeah, but for the sake of people that are only able to listen on the radio, because I want to fill in some of the details after the top of the hour, but uh, let's go ahead and cut to the chase, because we, we really literally have about a minute and a half, uh, and, and, and then we'll, we'll go into more detail afterwards. But... Uh, uh, he, he was uh, miraculously healed, and this is paving the way for the, the, the beatification. Can you give us the highlights of that, and then we'll have to end the show, and then we'll keep the conversation going afterwards. So I, I think you're asking about the beatification process? Well, just about you finding out that, that he was, in fact, healed, right? In, in, uh, right, right, sure. So whatever, we, we took a trip, as we said, to Lisbon and Madrid. Right before we left, my wife had to have an ultrasound to make sure that he was well enough to travel so we could get authorization. In Europe, they required that to board a plane if you're pregnant. So we went to Rome for three days. Then we met the rest of the group in Lisbon. Then we went to Madrid. And in the minute and a half version, when we came back, we had to have another ultrasound to see if he was still alive. And when we had that other ultrasound, it was a brand new doctor. She brought her in the room, sat down, and started talking to her about meeting the uh, the pediatric ICU staff and all of these other things. And Michelle looked at her and said, wait a minute. I was told there was no hope. What do you mean, meet the pediatric ICU staff? And the doctor looked at her with a blank stare for a minute and flipped through her records and said, oh, you're the lady that just came back from Fatima. And she said, Yes, ma'am. And she said, well, you're having a baby now. So the doctor didn't even she realize was. that this was the high drops baby when she looked at her chart. Wow. Yeah. Praise God. This is that's just and, awesome. And you hear you hear a lot of times about these miracle stories, but this is one that the Vatican has you know done the study on and gone through the whole process, and it's been approved. I mean, Pope Francis has called for the beatification on October thirty first, and so Daniel, we're going to leave it at that as far as the radio uh, sh- uh, broadcast. Uh, thanks. I'm, I'm glad that appointment was canceled because then you can hang out with us a little bit longer. But just tell everybody that we're going to continue. Can you stick around, Doctor Malloy, uh, for a few minutes? Uh, for a few yeah. minutes. Okay, and we'll get the the rest of the story, what's going to be happening on October 31st, and a few more details about the healing of uh, Mikey uh, Shackle. And But anyways, uh, thanks everybody for listening. This brings us to the end of the radio broadcast. Again, uh, praise God for the healing, the healing of uh, Mikey. We'll, continue, we'll keep it going. Thanks to Cecil and Dr. Malloy and Diane Xavier as well. Uh, and we'll hear the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say <laughs> on the after show right after this. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll see. Don't forget Monday, Joe and the team, same time with Monday's GRN Alive. God bless you. God and true man, blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be his most sacred heart. Blessed be his most precious blood. 
Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. A-T-H, 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth.